Welcome to the Fusebox Podcast. This is episode 12. I'm Anna Gallagher-Ross. And I am Betelehem Makonnen. Today on the episode, we talk to live artist Tanya Alhuri. She will speak to us about her practice, her background, as well as her Fusebox Festival 2018 work, As Far As My Fingertips Take Me. We hope that you enjoy it. We sort of love to start our podcasts with um, the artists just uh, introducing themselves, just in their yeah. own words. Um, sure. And I wonder if you would be willing to do that. So I'm Tanya Al-Khouri. I am a life artist. Um, I do work, I mainly work with interactivity. So I've done performances and installations, um, even video installations or sound installation. But most of the time they have a common uh, element of it, which is audience interactivity. And I've researched also um, the political dimension of this interactivity. So what, it, what, what does interactivity do to audience and to their own politics? Does it challenge them? Does it not? Um, I've worked uh, a lot in the UK where I uh, lived for 10 years. I've also co-founded um, a research and a live art um, collective in Beirut, where I'm also from, and uh, it's called Dictaphone Group. And we basically do site-specific performances based on urban research. So we've worked a lot on um, on the privatization of the seashore and other stuff like that. Is that, is that enough or do you want me to talk more? <laughs> it's, it's perfect. There's yes. so many things that you've done that I want to ask about. <laughs> I mean, maybe just to begin, um, I'd love to hear, you were just mentioning that you're working on this project with your partner in life. Um, yeah. Could you speak a bit about that collaboration? He's a historian? Yeah, so he's a historian of the Middle East. And we, he helped me quite a bit. He's my husband. And he helped me quite a bit with uh, other projects because a lot of the pieces that I've done, especially in Lebanon, were based on uh, research, whether it has historical element or uh, urban research element. And I've uh, collaborated with researchers uh, throughout my career. Uh, so we've decided to work together on a very specific thing, which is the history of electricity in Lebanon. Uh, that's because we've had electricity cuts um, since, uh, since the introduction of electricity in Lebanon. And the relationship of people with this public utility tells a lot about the relationship of people with their government. Uh, there's a whole history of protest around that. There's a whole history of corruption around that. And also just looking into it, looking into the archive, we've realized the whole um, idea of researching archive in the Middle East and especially in Lebanon, where we have to go and look into um, colonial and imperial power archives. So we need to go to France, to the US government, to to even the UK to find our own archive, which opens a whole um, story on that. So we're working on that and we're hoping to also 
uh, open up um, the the idea or uh, conversation around um, the right of public utility, whether this in Lebanon specifically or around the world. I know there is a whole debate on public health, for example, or the right to uh, public health in the US, for example. So uh, yeah, this is where we are now. It's still early period, but it's exciting. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a interesting combination. And like you said, it's funny how if you're a diasporan, it's not just your body that's diasporic, but also your history. Like you said, you have to go look for it in these yeah. other places. Is this the first collaboration between you two? No, I mean, he's he definitely helped me quite a bit in other works uh, as helping in research, but also translation. But this is the first, uh, yeah, big collaboration. <laughs> and do you, you said you are now mostly based in the UK, so that is where you make work, or do you have a constant interaction with uh, Lebanon? Uh, at the moment, I'm based in Lebanon, actually. Uh, I've been there for, yeah, for three years. The UK is still my second home, so I try to go every few months and I do a lot of work there because I've lived there for 10 years. And, I mean, for the purposes of this conversation, I think we'd love to hear you speak about um, As Far As My Fingertips Take Me, a little bit about yeah. the origin of this work. Um, yeah. And also just its sort of relationship to other works of yours. Um, uh-huh. We'd love to hear that sort of lineage. Yeah. So I've done a lot of work on the idea of borders, uh, whether it is um, borders, internal borders, national borders, um, uh, what else? On also uh, personal stories when I uh, did uh, test um, in the, in the UK to be able to apply to the British citizenship. There was also this uh, test that we call Britishness test. Um, I've done a piece about that. I've done a lot of work on uh, the idea of movement, the right of movement, and borders um, as discrimination. Um, but in uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was invited by Lyft uh, Festival in uh, London, uh, who were collaborating with the Royal Court Theatre, uh, and they wanted to make a program on migration, uh, and they contacted me to um, to propose an idea for that, and I had a whole uh, long conversation with them about um, the political implication of calling such a program about migration when we clearly are interested in refugees. And that's because uh, the Prime Minister at the time, um, Theresa May, insisted on calling refugees migrant just to remove the international uh, law, um, to remove the responsibility of the UK government to take care of these uh, people. So uh, we had this long conversation and at the end they were like, okay, we'll change the name, Tanya, just apply uh, with an idea. And I thought about it uh, and I thought that it's not really my story if we're talking about uh, refugees. So I wanted to invite a friend 
uh, who um, was born a refugee, Basil, um, Basil Zarah, who performs the show, and he was born a Palestinian refugee in uh, Palestinian refugee camps in Syria. And this particular camp is very interesting because a lot of people from the Yarmouk uh, camp were made refugees again after the um, Syrian uh, regime uh, sieged uh, the camp. Um, so, so I thought it's interesting to invite uh, Basil to tell his stories, to collaborate with me on this show, but also to remind us that this, uh, the whole refugee uh, crisis, or what we call refugee crisis, because obviously it's not our crisis, it's their crisis, um, is not something that just began now, like a few years back. There are people who were born into it, there are people who have been living in limbos for uh, a long time, such as the Palestinian uh, refugees around the world. So... Um, yeah, so the the piece was very simple. I thought we we first joked about it as um, we will me and Basil we were joking about it that we will invite audience to touch a refugee to feel a refugee like the need to physically feel a refugee. So we were joking about it and um, and then we talked about uh, drawing on their arm and then sharing um, a song that he wrote. Um, and we did it together just for a royal court. But since people were really moved by it, and we were uh, like we were positively surprised by how um, people were moved by such a very uh, short encounter. It's about ten minutes each person, and it has been touring since, which is really exciting because uh, Basel get to travel to all of these places that he've never been to. I, I love that subtlety. I mean, that it's a, a communication that is still um, lots of things are not translated or you're not able to clearly say it, but it doesn't matter. You still can care and make a connection. And I think that's, it's, it's really powerful. Um, instead of the initial thought of, like you said, you know, the singing and uh, everything being outwards, um, there's something uh, powerful about that opacity. Well, and, and certainly with us being, you know, five hours from the border uh, here yeah. in Austin, and the yeah. fact that, as we all know, it's been beaten heavily into us that we have this president who is erecting more walls along uh. that border. It makes the wall in your piece, I feel, much more um, present for me. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder... Tanya, not to switch gears too much, but I'd love to hear a bit about the work you're doing at BARD. I understand that you're also continuing this work on borders um, with yes. um, the biennial that will be coming up there. Um, can you say a bit about that work, that residency there? So uh, I will be co-curating that festival uh, and it will focus on borders. It will focus on... Um, artists who have been working on the idea of borders or who will be making new work uh, on idea of borders but also asking questions about our responsibility towards that whether we are in the US or whether we are somewhere else so it will have also conversations around that 
Uh, we are hoping to do a sort of website that will be also available in Spanish and in Arabic as well as in English um, to document um, some of the, to archive some of the work that um, that artists have been uh, doing around borders. I will also be making new work uh, on that um, that has some of my, that shares some of my family history because I come from a very small village in Lebanon which is on the border with Syria and um, and yeah I've shot a lot of um, footage there with uh, especially with my uh, late grandmother who is um, actually older than the border than the national border so just the idea of um, fabricating borders and their impact on people's life I'll be making this work, but I'm also really excited to have this uh, uh, experience of uh, curating other people's work. I think we don't do it that much in performance. A lot of like visual artists uh, have um, often curate each other um, or think about curations, but we very rarely do it in live and performance work. So I'm excited to, to do that actually. That's great. Are you going to be performing in this new work, or I'm not very sure yet. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's quite early for me to talk about it because I'm still trying to figure it out. It's um, it won't it won't open for two years, but it might be also um, an an installation performance, but at a bigger scale than. Um, than the piece with Basel because it has a lot of it has a lot of um, history involved in it that I've collected for a long time. So it might be a, a bigger scale. That's all I can imagine at the moment. I'm really looking forward to the artists that you'll be bringing. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really exciting. We have some exciting ideas on that. I'd also love to hear a bit about your PhD, a, a bit about your academic work um, and how you sort of, I mean, you began this conversation talking about your work with archives and I'm sort of fascinated to hear a bit more about how research informs your work um, and how you go about conducting it. Because for me, it is such an artistic practice as well, going into yeah. archives and selecting and curating. I mean, for, for me, it comes from the idea that what I think we should do as people interested in politics, uh, everyday politics, is not to make work that simply just state our political opinion. I think that we should make work, or at least that's what I'm trying to do, to make work that contribute to the larger conversation, make work that somehow historicize, writes history from below, make work that other people can come and build on it, that they can use it for other things, for example, rather than just state our opinion loud and clear, even though I think this is obviously a, a protest art and protest art have been useful um, throughout history, but I'm interested more in, in uh, work that digs, that um, gives evidence, if you will, if you like. Um, so, yeah, so the, the project in Lebanon specifically called Dictaphone Group was very much about mapping what's happening to the city and what's happening around us. So we always complain about the seashore being privatized, but we really don't know who owns what and how they managed to do that. So I 
this is when I started collaborating with um, a very good friend of mine called Abir Sassou, who's an architect and an urban researcher, on actually mapping this land that we're talking about um, and exposing these truths, um, making piece of work that is very artistic, as you said, and it's um, interactive, innovative performances, but at the same time sharing some of these findings. And uh, we've also done a lot of research books that we've um, distributed and a lot of uh, journalists, activists and academics have used them and built on them. Um, similarly, with the piece that I've toured uh, the most, I think, in my life, Garden Speak, it's built on 10 oral histories of people who were at the beginning of the uprising kill in Syria killed by the regime and they were buried in the, um, in, in the gardens of their homes or public gardens. So the piece, while it is uh, innovative form, while it's a um, sound, um, interactive sound uh, piece, it actually offers these um, oral histories that are all true, that have been documented and they have been archived in a book. Um, so it has been an ongoing interest of mine to think about the political dimension of interactivity, but also about sharing uh, research and building on research. Um, so the PhD was a PhD in practice. <laughs> um, so I didn't suddenly become a full-time academic. I was still practicing all the time. And through the practice, on the side, I was thinking and writing about the ethical and political dimension of such work, speci specifically on uh, the encounter with the audience uh, and how uh, the politics of encounter with the audience anyway. Um, and thinking specifically on interactivity, on uh, the audience bearing witness, to uh, the stories they hear, um, on negotiate, negotiating power between the artist and the audience. Um, so that was the PhD. <laughs> You're still in the process of working on it? No, I'm done. I'm a doctor. I'll be sure to refer to you <laughs> that way. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. T. Yeah. <laughs> Who are contemporary artists that you um, have an affinity towards? Hmm. There are many artists who do this type of things, but in a different forms. Um, not necessarily um, the combination of live art and urban research, for example, that Dictaphone Group do, but a lot of artists I know use research. Um, I know, for example, people come to mind now, like Leila Sleiman uh, from Egypt. She does that uh, quite a lot, um, but more specifically in theatre. I know Boise Sequana from South Africa, who've also uh, done a lot of that. Who else? I mean, the whole post-war uh, scene in Beirut specifically was very much an attempt to historicize the civil war. Uh, but they've done it in a different way. They've done it, for example, with fiction. They've done it with um, just pure lies, for example, and working on the idea of we are going to lie in this show 
and pretend that this is history and actually complicate the whole idea of what is history, what is not, and who writes our history. So um, I think I think in the Arab world there's a lot of people who are interested in um, in uh, working with the research and history specifically, but in different ways. I'm interested if you could say a bit about the performance scene in Lebanon, only because I'm not very familiar, and I'd love to oh. hear if there are sort of artists or or sort of work that you're seeing come out of Lebanon that you feel should be here, I'm sure, and uh, whether we'll see that at Bard or whether that's something you could just say a bit about. Uh, the scene in Lebanon or in the Arab world is not as um, developed as you would like it to be because the art scene, uh, the visual art scene, the music scene, the film scene is way more developed than performance. And uh, I think performance is not as developed for various reasons, has to do with venues, has to do with festivals. Um, There are very interesting uh, artists who work in theatre, but you can say that it's a little bit uh, less, uh, so new writing or um, what we can call contemporary theatre, dance theatre, uh, I can name few. For example, there's a collective called Zukak that they work, um, that they do uh, theater. They're very active, very interesting work. Um, there's a young, very young uh, dance artist called uh, Ali Shahroor who does um, very beautiful pieces. Um, and obviously there's Rabi Amruwe who's world famous. Uh, who've worked uh, a lot with lecture performances, also using fiction and uh, a history, mixing them in a way that you cannot really um, know what's true, what's not. The same with uh, Walid Rad, who I think started um, this format. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that. These are the examples that come to mind now. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that this will be a more developed uh, scene in the Arab world in general um, in the next few years. But we will definitely see some of them in Bath. <laughs> I'm hoping. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah. So the, the the show that you are curating at Bard, you will be looking specifically as the Middle East as a region or more specifically from Lebanon or Yeah, no, I think I think we're uh looking at the Arab world, also looking at um Latino artists. Uh, I think maybe the undesirables in the US. We'll try to bring them. <laughs> it's a long list you have. <laughs> yeah. And as far as with your own work, your own performance, how often do you premiere work in uh, Lebanon? Do you generally make work there and take it out into the diaspora? Or So, to be honest, most of the work that I've done in Lebanon have been in uh, a dictaphone group. Um, because a lot of the work that I do by myself, um, they... They're mainly shown in festival, uh, theater uh, or performance or art festival environment, and we don't have um, many of those in Lebanon. So 
I end up mainly showing uh, work uh, as part of Dictaphone Group. And I think because I feel there is more urgency for this type of work there because very, it's very site specific. And that work is often, often happen in a public space. So for example, one of them happened on a boat uh, in the middle of the sea. Another happened in one of those um, touristic cable car that take you from the sea to the mountain. And these do not really need the venue to happen. Some of them are also city walks. Um, so we, we make them whenever we like. Uh, when we're done with the research, we share this type of work. So most of the work that I've shown in Lebanon has been as part of Dictaphone Group. So people know me there as Dictaphone Group more than they know my, um, my uh, solo work. And who uh, is Dictaphone Group, Tanya? Uh, so it's mainly me and uh, an architect and a researcher called Dabir Sassou. And we collaborate also with various activists and artists. The main collaborator that we work with is another um, artist woman called uh, Petra Serhal. Um, and yeah, and we've, we've worked with designers, video artists, uh, activists. Depends on the piece, but it's mainly me and Abir. Because the idea is to mix these two, these two mediums, live art and uh, research on space. So, so great. And as far, I mean, speaking about audience participation and interaction, what is your yeah. reading as you cross that border of like the audience in your home country, home city, and then the audiences abroad, what are the variables that you notice just in terms of the cultural historical difference and uh, relationship to live art? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the piece, but also I feel that the work that I do has always been accessible. So even if it's very innovative for the, for the art scene, because they're used to a very specific set of aesthetics and format or relationship to the audience. But for the general public, for any uh, random person who hasn't been to many shows in life, it's not inaccessible. Um, and uh, on, the, on the opposite, it actually uses format that, are, that exist in the... Um, uh, in everyday life, for example, uh, the format of a city walk or the format of a touristic walk, um, touristic ride of a boat, for example, but working on this format to change it into something else. Um, so, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't noticed a big difference in how people um, interact with the piece. Uh, if they know more about live art or they, the usual live art goers or not. Um, but obviously it depends on the piece itself. If people are more implicated in it, for example, if they live in a city and we're discussing the privatization of that city, specifically people feel more involved and a lot of the time they, they um, feel confident enough to interrupt um, the piece and tell uh, their own story and it's about us as artists just being able to accommodate that 
to um, accept the fact that every piece is very different because every audience is very different and not to try to control that, to, to just um, work on the balance between control and randomness, which is the basis of uh, interactivity. Interactivity, as opposed to something like participation. It feels yeah. like the distinction you're making is really important yeah. and, and makes for a much more dynamic... Yeah, no, I, I very much try not to use this word because it has been used and abused, but mainly uh, in a way that it's very manipulative. You know, like uh, participation in uh, development, uh, participation in architecture, participation in uh, political life. A lot of the time it's about uh, manipulating people into thinking that they can participate and make choices when those choices have already been made for them. Tanya, this is wonderful. This is such a wonderful invitation into your work. I just can't wait to have you here in Austin. Thank you. I look forward to it, too. Yeah, it will be also Basil's uh, first uh, um, arrival to the U.S., so it will be very exciting. Great. Thank you for making the time, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you.